part of why we are where we are is that because of that, right? People just are sick of the system that doesn't yeah. necessarily seem to be very rational. You know, I'd like people to have jobs. I would like us to come up with some common sense immigration reform that is not heartless and horrible to people. I would like us to have a balanced budget. I would like us to spend within our means. I would like us to fund education. I mean, you know, I feel like what category does that fall in? You know, yeah. why is that not just rational person? This is the Next Generation Education. We're talking to top entrepreneurs, thought leaders, international disruptors, while focusing on lifelong learning and how education can and needs to adapt in our modern world. You're listening to Start Ed Up. Here's your host, Don Wedrick. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. I'm excited today because I have on Soledad O'Brien. And if it sounds like I'm a bit of a fan at first, you'll have to excuse me. I am. I was a, one of those weird kids that I loved great journalism growing up. Uh, I was raised on 60 Minutes kind of thing. And Soledad has been a person in reporting that has been criticized for being too tough on both sides, uh, both Democratic and Republican. So when she starts off, we, we actually kind of have this side tangent of how much she um, doesn't like how divided we are and, and the faults on both sides. But after that, we kind of settle in and we, we get in heavy onto, um, you know, what is truth and how sometimes we can even handle these weird times as teachers. And she also has some really practical advice on how we handle situations like this and how we should look at social media in education. And it wasn't just the, the, the cliched things that I thought we were going to talk about. She goes into things that really forced me to rethink the role of Twitter and education and other outlets as well. So for those reasons, I know you're going to love this episode. This is one of those that um, I think you should share uh, with, with your friends, with your colleagues. Um, but I will say she is candid. She's fiery. At one point, she kind of apologized for her strong language, although I didn't think it was bad at all. Uh, but she's always thought provoking. She always pushes back. Even even on my interview on some points that I thought I was going to make, she pushed back and challenged me to think. And I love that. There was no softballs in this whatsoever. So I think this is one that uh, we're going to enjoy on both sides. And it stretched my thinking. And I think that it'll stretch her. So for those reasons, that's why I'm really asking and begging, if not, uh, you share this one, because I think these are important conversations that we need to have as a nation um, with our students, with our own children. Um, Soledad really kind of brings it home. So that's enough gabbing on my part. Without further ado, Soledad O'Brien. I am joined with Soledad O'Brien. Soledad, first of all, thank you so much for being on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I, I, I think this is a compliment. And actually, I know that it's a compliment. <laughs> I don't know what political sway you have because you're so thorough and you don't softball anybody. And um, in the day and age that we are living in the world of bias with a capital B, it seems like you've kind of stood above that so is it bad that I just sort of hate everybody because I feel like sometimes <laughs> that's my like no no I, I hate everybody oh we are going to be friends aren't we no I it's it's true I mean like um, many years ago when I was at CNN there was uh, I got a note from my bosses and someone had said that I had donated to the Democratic national committee or some committee of Democrats in some state. And I said to them, oh, let me tell you, I am sure that's not me. It turned out it was a woman named Soledad Vega, 
but everybody went into this tizzy because they thought that I had, you know, which would be a huge no-no as a reporter. But really, I sometimes feel like I really hate the political process. I hate yeah. the, the bullshit that comes with politics. I hate the nastiness that politics brings out. I hate the incompetence of the Democrats. I hate the, the clear corruption of uh, the people who are in office now. I hate the 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 what the republicans are doing as they run Congress. i mean i really just hate everybody which is actually not such a in terms of mindset not such a great position to be in sometimes uh, well if, i'm gonna about turn it to the positive here because i'm i'm gonna get because i want i feel your pain like i do um as a person who is clearly um well and even libertarians now are being branded wackies and all their stuff i'm a little l but that being aside um i i you are a, I don't even know where to begin on some of like just looking over your list of accomplishments from your, like, I guess we could start off. Tell me the fact that all of your brothers and sisters went to Harvard. Are you kidding? You know, a lot of it is the time, which was, I, my parents are educators and they um, really, I think, valued our education. We grew up in a community that was not particularly diverse. And so we spent a lot of time together as a family and as brothers and sisters. And we were pretty studious and my parents were pretty strict. So I think with all of that combined with, um, you know, the idea that my parents had a really, really valued education. You know, my mom's Cuban. So her idea of, yeah. you, you know, you, 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 no one can take it from you. If you have a degree, my dad came from a well-educated family um, in Australia, and they were both educators. I think they just valued education. So with all that as a background, it never really seemed that surprising to me because I think that they, they, they really were all about, you know, you can do a lot of things. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to take your education? Well, looking over these things and, and seeing what all your brothers and sisters are doing, it's, it's a, wow, it's, it's quite an accomplishment. And obviously, yes, you guys can tell just by looking at the accolades, uh, education had to rank up there pretty high. Um, but what I, what I wanted to focus down on and, and start looking at is, um, it seems as though, and, and, and you know, in education at, at times, unfortunately, it does get political. Like you, you can't avoid it. Well, heck, you can't avoid anything. Everything's political, it seems now. But truth has a really weird way of finding its way out. And um, now that you've, you know, you've gone through everything, you've been, you started with NBC, you went to CNN, you um, do some things with Real Sports, HBO, by the way, love that. Um, I know, now, great show, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Phenomenal show. Yeah. Every now and then when I feel like crying, I'll just uh, pop open that um, Dick and Rick Hoyt story. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, always inspirational, always thorough. But now, you know, you, you're, you, you've done some stuff with Al Jazeera, now you're a starfish. There, you have, again, blazed this trail of being very thorough. Heck, I always crack up because I remember one time you were being um, defended on the Young Turks, even though you gave a Democrat a hard time. Um, which I hate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate, I just hate, I hate politics. And I think part of why we are where we are is that because of that, right? People just are sick of the system that doesn't yeah. necessarily seem to be very rational. You know, I'd like people to have jobs. I would like us to come up with some common sense immigration reform that is not heartless and horrible to people. I would like us to have a balanced budget. I would like us to spend within our means. I would like us to fund education. I mean, you know, I feel like 
what category does that fall in? You know, yeah. why is that not just rational person? Why well, does it have to be, oh, that means that you're this, or oh, that means you're that? I, I think there's a lot of people like that. That's exactly kind of what I wanted to, to focus in on. I mean, well, right now you're the interviewee and not the interviewer, and I'd like which to Which is a you. weird position to be in, by the way. Well, <laughs> <For> I, <me. laughs> which I love because you don't necessarily get a chance to say these things. And, and having watched enough of your stuff, and this doesn't surprise me, but here we are talking about the fact that there's, there's two different truths. One that you hear on MSNBC and the other one you hear on Fox. But it's not. And, and, the and, and the data doesn't. doesn't change, right? I mean, at the right. end of the day, part of the problem is that we've moved off of data and fact. But it used to be that, that we operated off a set of facts. You know, and you might say, well, I, I, I interpret those facts oh. this way and I interpret the facts that way. But we agreed that there were a set of facts. Now people don't even agree on a set of facts. Well, or, or people find it inconvenient or offensive. And I mean on both sides. I, I mean, I, this is the thing that absolutely drives me nuts. And, and my gosh, when Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld are saying they won't do comedy at colleges because they're too easily offended, this is a weird time. You know, at age 45, I remember, you know, I was a youngster, but the epicenter of free speech was always Berkeley, California. Yeah, but here's the other part of that that I always think as, and I have zero position on this, but I also say when someone says that to you, you know, is it, is, have you gotten comfortable doing rape jokes, right? Like, have you gotten lazy that, and just com- like, I mean, are, you know, like that's an interesting question to ask yourself. Yeah. So when someone tells me, you know, I just feel like women are getting too much power. I'm like, really, let's, let's dig into that sense of discomfort that you have. Do you really feel, you know, and I don't know, I'm not a comedian and God knows I haven't been on a college campus doing stand up in forever. Uh, but you know, at some point, is it just that, wow, the audiences are just feel like there's inappropriate things? Or do you feel like, wow, you've just gotten lazy in terms of the things that you think are funny? Yeah, that aren't funny. Is it just yeah. too easy to, 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 to mock? Because there was a day where you could just talk about raping people and everyone would be like, oh, that's hysterical. Well, you know, I think we've evolved a smidge from that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know that I have a right or wrong answer. I would just, I just like to push back on people and say, maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the real takeaway is you need to examine what you're doing. True Soledad O'Brien fashion. No, I, I, agree. <laughs> I, I, I think it's the pendulum swing that I'm talking about though. Like, yeah, you're right. Um, I caught a little bit of um, like rewatching Eddie Murphy's Raw. I'm like, oh my gosh. Or, or heck, even, even some of the music that I grew up with, um, you know, other than maybe Public Enemy, who was always, you know, pretty well versed in being fair and all that stuff. But some of the other things I'm like, oh, did I used to say those things out loud? And, and, and we were definitely on that other end of the spectrum. But now I see such a um, everybody's hypersensitive and everybody's offended again on both sides. Like, you know, you, you just said something that, that bothered me. Well, where is that medium? Where is that balance? And, but to your great point, I mean, it starts with making a stand somewhere. Listen, at the end of the day, I remember there was this little brouhaha at Harvard a couple of years ago about Halloween costumes. And should the master of some house tell people to be appropriate with Halloween costumes? You know, and some of that to me is every year you have some random person who does blackface. Are they allowed to do? Of course they are. This is America. Do whatever, the, whatever you want. But you know, but also understand that people will call you out for offending people. Yeah. You know, like I think that that's the, the challenge. Anybody can do whatever they want in terms of comedy, 
But understand that if your comedy doesn't evolve or if your Halloween costume, you know, isn't it time that some people get to say, I'm, I'm tired of you offending people left and right, and I'm going to say something. But listen, are you legally allowed to do it? Sure. Can you do it? Of course. You know, do I have the right to call you an asshole if you do it? Sure I do. I mean, I, I, I think so. You know, can it go too far? Sure. Do if my kid wanted to be Moana, would I say? I mean, my daughters are a little too old for that, so they would <laughs> die before they became Moana. I'd be like, listen, pick your costume and do it. Wear it. Wear it with pride. If I think it's appropriate, go for it. But I do think sometimes people are very happy to do these things and say, I don't care if it makes other people uncomfortable. And that's all well and good because often those people are never the ones who are marginalized and made to feel crappy. Yeah. Right. They just march through life feeling like it's all good. So again, the, the question is not, do they have the right to do it? Of course you have the right to do it. Of course you do. You know, should someone not say, would you like to take a moment and think about this? Do you intentionally want to do this? Maybe yeah. the answer is yes. I'm intentionally trying to yeah. do this. Sure. I just find when it's done um, unintentionally or with this idea of I'm just going to offend people, I think that's just, you know, sad. Sad, right? I, I spend my life teaching my children. Like, let's try to not to be kind to people. You know, we don't need to hurt people intentionally. Like right now, the hot story is Harvey Weinstein, right? And, uh, you know, back to my point earlier of how truth finds its way out and how sometimes it's bottlenecked. Um, now, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, yeah, I've known for a long time. Well, like, how did that not, you know, was, was he protected because he had friends in the media? Sure. And also, what do you do with that information? Actually, yeah, of course he was protected. I mean, obviously, but there's an amazing article today out about these like ex-Mossad agents he was hiring. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it actually, it, it's so worth people looking it up and reading it because it's so completely crazy that you feel like you're reading someone's um, you know, oh, it's like a movie. novel. Yeah, it's insane. It's I'm sure it will be a movie, ironically, right? Um, but yeah, I think Harvey Weinstein is a great example of this is the system and in order to buck the system, you know, what do you do? What, 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 what do you do? I remember there was a young woman I worked with. I can't remember what, it must have been the local news. And she came to me and said, I think, you know, this person is harassing me. And I said, so I'm going to tell you what's going to happen because HR is not going to tell you honestly. HR works for the company. Yeah. HR is not here to protect you. So that's the first thing you need to understand. When people say go to HR, HR is not here to help you. They're here to get all the information they can they can figure out how to shut this down and protect the company. That is what they do, right? So you're 21 years old or 22 years old. You, you probably don't really fully get that, but let me explain. They're here to mitigate their risk. They're not here to make sure that the executive gets <laughs> it literally to figure out how to end this now yeah, and not sense. impact the bottom line of the company. That is the job of HR. Number one. And number two, should you complain, the reality is, and I fully support you if you complain, and I fully support you if you decide not to complain, you will never work in this business again. That's just a fact, right? Because no one will hire you again. Period. Yes. Full stop. So, so I feel like you need to tell people the honest reaction of what's going to happen to them. If you complain about sexual harassment, I don't remember the specifics of this particular young woman's, you know, you know, details of what she was telling me. But, you know, I think a lot of people didn't necessarily get that kind of advice. And okay, I think so, that's so really critical. Yeah, let me then push back. So like, 
first of all, that's a bleak picture. And I have no doubt that you're correct. This is where, in some ways, da-da-da-da, Twitter to the rescue. Because when, when you're going to be stamped out by HR, it's because they're protecting their best interest, but a social media outlet is, might be the game changer. It might, you sure, know, to get your story out. I mean, I think a good example is that young black woman, I think it was at Hartford College. Did you hear that story where her roommate was basically poisoning no. her? And it's really, oh. oh my gosh, it's really worse. But basically the school tried to, seems like they tried to cover it up and she basically went on social media. I think she did a Facebook Live or something where she talked about it. And, and because it became viral, her roommate who was doing all kinds of disgusting things to her, toothbrush and her food. I mean, ugh, horrible, the details. Uh, you know, the school then had to react because the public outcry was so great. That's a little bit of a, different, of, a, of a different story. I mean, I think what people don't recognize is that there's no, not some big winner necessarily in, in yeah. accusing someone of harassing you. You know, I mean, think of all the, and the other thing that I'm finding challenging is all these people who keep saying to me, but now the line, it's like, I can't tell. I mean, who, you're like, really? The, the, the Harvey Weinstein line, <laughs> don't masturbate in front of your colleagues. That's the part of the line. Don't grab people. Don't grab people by the breast. <laughs> like, leave <Yeah>. them alone. <laughs> don't put your hands on people's hands. Like, it's pretty. Just don't touch people. How, that's a, <laughs> the same rule I have for my children. Just don't touch your brother. Yeah. Just leave them alone. You know, so this idea that like, oh, the rules are so confusing and 15 years ago we could do this. We could, that's complete and utter bull. It's just not true. It's just always been the case that if you were marginalized and you didn't necessarily think it, that you'd be believed or that there was no video or that everybody was really conspiring to protect the big money earner and not you, you know how that's going to end. Yeah. Well, it, that, that right there. The bar, but the bar is not confusing, right? Literally. No, no, no. But, I mean, but, but as I was walking through, I'm like, selected. I really have not, there's not a single person I've ever grabbed, ever. Even my, my, my dear well, friends, I who but, I've had best friends that. who work with me, I, like, I, I can't say that, like, oh, I've grabbed them accidentally in the middle of a meeting. Right, but I mean, the, the, the how we react to it is where a lot of people are, like, people in the middle are throwing up their hands and going, oh my gosh, are you serious? You know, like, when Bill Clinton was accused of all these things, like, well, you know. And then when, uh, you know, people on the right side of the spectrum, like, oh, see there. Like the God, I don't think it's well, you know. I mean, I, I think that was a big failing of some of the women, particularly on the left. Uh, well, well, you know what? Like, yeah. what? No, it, it's so clearly defined. Yeah. No, I, I, and I think that's is it impeachable? I mean, I think that's a bit of a waste of government finances. But, <laughs> but is, it, is, it, is it harassment? Sure. Is it appropriate? Yes. And part yeah. of the problem that people don't like to confront is that all these women also wanted jobs. And whether yeah. you are the $20 million movie actor or you are, you know, 40K a year production assistant, you want to keep your job. And he's very powerful. And if he calls up and says, this woman is difficult. Yeah. You know, well, everybody knows what that means, right? That or, ends your career. Yeah. And I've seen some people now reach out and go, well, maybe there's going to be like, there also may have been some women that were overly flirtatious because they wanted that job. And, and now you're like, okay, what's, what's right and what's wrong and all this other stuff. And like, like you said, the actual behavior is pretty black and white, right? But now everybody's like, well, what's the truth? And that's, you know, I'm going to go back to that. So, you know, here, here I am a school teacher. And as we're... Should I not be cursing? I feel like if your students are listening, that would be I mean, so inappropriate. I mean, like, they, maybe you can bleep them out. That would be better. <laughs> 
They're, so funny. I, I, I curse a lot, and then my children are so embarrassed by my cursing, which is sort of funny. <laughs> Mom. I Mom, know. It's stop. completely inappropriate. By the way, let's just, let's, let's just point out what the meaning of your name is. I love it. Soledad's is, is what? Maria de la Soledad means the Blessed Virgin Mary of Solitude. Yep. I love that. <laughs> um, See? All the more reason I shouldn't be I, cursing. I'm named after the Virgin Mary. <laughs> I know. And having all that solitude, too. No, no it's all right. Um, but yeah, so here, here are a lot of teachers really having a hard time. Because when a student comes up to you and says, hey, man, what's going on? Boy. You know, it's really hard to tell now. And, and, you know, are we embarrassed to talk about some of the things the president said? Of course. Um, are, are we, it, it's, truth is now been, well, back to your point earlier. Facts and data can now be called offensive. And it can be say, well, you're just being political. Facts are facts and data is data. So how do we, what's the new standard for you as a journalist? to look for truth? How, how do you go about it? And, and, I, and I, I wanted specifically you to answer this because you have been criticized for being thorough, uh, almost to the yeah. point of being mean. And, and I mean I, that in a loving way. can be mean. Well, yeah, I don't mind being mean. I, 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 you know, I've watched enough you of your stuff. You want a friend to get a dog. As they right. Say. Listen, I, I think softball. that facts are, you know, there are actual facts. And then you have to recognize that there are things that are not facts, that are just people's personal beliefs around issues, that they're anecdotes, right? Things that are, well, this happened to me once, so I believe this about humanity. Uh, I think that, um, and sometimes facts are debated, right? Like, you know, do we really think this is a set of facts? And who are the people who believe this are facts? Who are are discerners of, of what are real facts and not. I mean, it's been a bit of a crazy time because, of course, there are people who are sort of presenting, you know, counter facts. Uh, oh, and fake the news. shooter in That's Texas is with yeah. Antifa, right? And, and, oh, and another one says, oh, the shooter in Texas turns out he was with ISIS. You know, those are early on people throwing in data points that are, are I believe, untrue because they're trying to add sort of these fake facts to the discussion, right? Now there's five sets of facts of which banning the flame. Are, yep. Yep. Exactly. So I think it's gotten more complicated, but for me, I, I think it's always, you know, you have good sources that you use, you have data that is gathered usually from government sources and then backed up from another source. And you can usually settle on a set of facts. I mean, most of the stuff that I do is Here's a videotape of what you said. This is just a fact. Like, let's roll it. You know <laughs> how dare, I mean? how dare you not, use my words against me? Right, exactly. It's not super complicated. Um, I think that when you look at budgets or you look at healthcare proposals, right? The the um, you know, the, 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 there are outside groups that assess those things and you can, and they have a certain amount of credibility around what they say. So if AARP, which represents old people or older people says X, you are pretty sure that they are thinking of their constituents and looking yeah. through that lens. So when they say, this is what's going to happen to someone who's 65, they're a pretty good source for this is a data point that comes from a good source because they see themselves as a as a group that is there to advocate for those uh, those people that they're not just making up some of these numbers yeah well a, a case in point so uh you won a peabody award for the bp oil spill did you were you ever did you ever feel a little pressure to um 
report everything or, or, you know, how, how close were you um, and how, how much over, you know, looking over the shoulder was BP? Oh gosh. I mean, BP wasn't even around. I wish, I wish we'd had more BP. <laughs> Usually with reporters, they run like the wind. Um, I remember once many years ago when we started at MSNBC and someone said, you know, isn't it true that Bill Gates, the Microsoft side is, is giving you, you know, is, is, daily involved and i'm like oh my gosh we wish we could get bill gates to return our calls you know we get no information like clearly they're not directing the narrative or the editorial of this network uh, of the stuff that i was doing listen a lot of the reporting that we did would talk about the people and the impact on the people and so a lot of the data was we're out with these fishermen Six months ago, they got this many shrimp. Now they're down to this many shrimp. And we see the guy pull up a basket and he says, you know, now I'm utterly screwed because my business is going under because look, this is all I've gotten. You don't necessarily need to get access to the, everybody. You know, I mean, it's access is great, but if people often don't agree to be interviewed or they don't want to be in it or they just lie, you know, so, so I think you, you, you know, good reporters can just work around that. You know, you just have to go and, and do the legwork. You know, it's not impossible. Yeah. Oh. So um, speaking of fish, tell me a little bit about Starfish Foundation and Starfish Media. Sure. Starfish Media is my production company. We started it after I left CNN in 2013, so about four years ago. And it's been great. We decided that we would um, create a company that would uh, create a number of different projects. We do a lot of documentaries. We do series. And then we also distribute a lot of our content. We, you know, because as you mentioned, I do work with HBO and I do work with Hearst. We just have a lot of great relationships and platforms. CNN was our first client um, uh, right when I left CNN. Basically, they turned around and, and hired me to do a, a bunch of projects. We did some docs for Al Jazeera America when they were still in existence. So we just create content. We do some branded work as well. Um, that's what our production company does. Our foundation, Starfish Foundation, recently became the Powerful Foundation because we help young women. We, we fund about 25 girls a year to and through college, at the through part, I think, being the most essential because we really wanted to invest in women and kind of clear the barriers for them to be successful. And that's been another amazing opportunity to invest in young people um, who often young people we send to school don't have what I had, which was really supportive parents and a middle class and the ability that if I spent, you know, $400 too much on my phone bill that they yell at me, but they could bail me out. You know, we, we take on young women for whom that would often be the, the end of their college career overspending. So, so all the things you're doing now with Starfish, these are some of the things you want to carry forward in the future. What else do you have? Well, like what else do you see um, moving forward with uh, Starfish Media? Like you're, you're now we just, more markets and yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, it's a really good time to be a content creator. There's so many platforms. There's so much bidding on ideas. There's so many people who have so many interesting concept about concepts about what they think needs to be front and center. And I think also we're finding that a lot of the topics that I cared about as a reporter, um, a lot of platforms that are not reporter type or journalistic platforms are interested in. Deep dives into issues, things that I think five years ago would be considered earnest. Oh, you know, the social justice -y type stuff that I often am interested in reporting on. 
which is very data heavy, data based. Um, you know, now people are interested in court cases and where things went wrong and where things went right. We're working on a project now called What Works that looks at just where policy was successful, you know, because often we think, I think there's a sense that government is just failing at every level. And actually, there's a lot of stuff that works. <laughs> and, and by the way, it works and it's measured. And the data is there. And it's measured by multiple independent sources. It's not just, here's a great heartwarming story about a girl. It's actually, we've been able to move the needle on some issues because people have been measuring them and trying to make real change. And that's data. And that's yeah. policy. And I think that it's nice to show people, like some of the government can work for people. You know, is, and, is that one of the reasons here's why you, example. Yeah, is that one of the reasons why you started Matter of Fact? You know, I think for Matter of Fact, it was really to just dig through some of these issues that people never thought about, right? Yeah. You know, the Rural Hospitals Association has so much in common with the urban hospitals people <laughs> because at the end of the day they're both dealing with populations who are challenged even though i yeah. think in the big picture we'd say oh they're so different these people are mostly white and rural and all drive cars and these people are mostly people of color and live in cities and probably took the subway in at the end of the day some of the challenges to hospitals today all around aca and, and the healthcare challenges we're seeing they're very similar they're very similar you know, and so I like talking to policy people about, you know, what are the real issues? What do you need to see? How do you feel about this? I just find it fascinating. I like talking about, you know, there's a great story. I think it was really yesterday and today of a woman giving a, a finger to the presidential motorcade. Yeah, <laughs> she got fired. And she's complaining that she got fired for doing that. And I believe she, and I didn't report this story, so I I. I don't know it like the back of my hand, but I believe she took the photo and put it in her social media profile, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, and so the question was, you know, doesn't she have a First Amendment right? You know, which is an interesting debate. Um, you know, uh, I, I just think that what our show tries to do is to tell people like, well, let me maybe explain to you what the First Amendment is first before you weigh in on this conversation. Yeah. Because no, there is no First Amendment right. There is a First Amendment right to give someone the finger for sure. Go for it. Your boss does not have a, have a, have a, does not, is not compelled to keep you in your job if there is a social media policy that says you can't do certain things. Yeah. Uh, is it unjust? Are you unhappy? Very possibly. But, you know, that is not a First Amendment issue. And so that's what we try to do. We try to provide context around some of these ideas um, because I think people often don't necessarily know the details. Going into details and digging in is what you've always done. I, I have always thoroughly enjoyed your work. I love the fact that you're, uh, you know, contributing also to HBO Real Sports. Um, My and, favorite show. Yeah, it's so thorough. <laughs> like, and yeah, I, I've liked it for a long time. Um, just again, looking over some of your accomplishments, it's just, and I'm not saying this to be funny, but like, you know, uh, beauty and brains, man. Uh, it, oh, it that's me. so sweet. As I get older, I like that more. When I was 20, I would have been like, first of all, <laughs> well, <laughs> but I, I, now. I mean, let's look at this. Uh, 50 most beautiful people. Hello. I that's puked not. that entire shoot. I was pregnant. <laughs> And I um and they had to feed me red jelly beans because I was so sick and I really thought that I was gonna die on that shoot. I was so ill, so I literally threw up through that entire fifty most beautiful people shoot. 
Side note. <laughs> well, but you, I had a but I had were, a healthy baby nine months later. Yes, yeah, I got four, and let's see, you got two twins, yeah. correct? That's nice. Yeah. So yeah, you've you've got you know most beautiful people. You've got Peabody Awards. You've got all these honorary doctorates. You've got this that. You're you've um, won Emmys. It, it, your body of work speaks for itself, and. I just really had looked forward to talking about media and truth. The problem is, I think, you know, again, it's less about opining around it and it's really about the facts. I mean, that was one of the things that I've always enjoyed about my show is like, listen, no one can assail you if you say, literally, let me read to you verbatim what he has said, or here's exactly what has been proposed or what's been voted on. You know, it's, I think where people get in trouble is when they start opining about things. Because again, as a, as a, you know, as a parent, yeah, I would find it kind of problematic if my kids' teachers were swaying them with yeah. a perception. Now, listen, I actually think it's fine for teachers to say, let me tell you my take on this. Who's got a different take? Yeah. Or here's my take, and we're inviting John Doe in to talk about his take. Because yeah. here in America, we celebrate people having different, pers- per, you know, takes on different visions of, of the same uh, of, of what the country can be, right? It doesn't have to be this hostile, nasty idea. It could be, I believe this. There are people who believe this. They have a very interesting and rational dialogue. And there are people who disagree and they have an interesting perspective. And part of being a student is learning how to navigate that and yeah. learning from both of those so that you can synthesize that and say, oh, so I think this is the argument that is most relevant and you know, resonates most with me. But you need the right set of facts being that we've talked about truth and a little bit of social media, one of the one of the interesting trends in education has been encouraging people in education to take to social media. Um, I know five, six years ago, somebody said, oh, why aren't you on social media? And at the time, I thought it was kind of a Kardashian thing. And he says, no, it's sharing best practices, best ideas. Um, now, obviously, Twitter has heated up and it, it, it may have a different kind of feel to it in the last two or three years. But your personal advice or take on educators embracing, if not encouraging, social media use? Even well, again, it's, it's what kind of use, right? right? For example, I think it's a real mistake for educators to fight with people. I think what I find really helpful on Twitter is when someone says, so I'm a sixth grade teacher. Let me tell you what my day is like. Or I'm a seventh grade teacher and here's yeah. a conversation that I over, like, because they are the experts. And as a journalist, I'm always looking for that person who can say, well, actually, I have expertise in this area. Let me fill you in. There was an interesting thing the other day around, um, actually, it was around uh, the former president, um, George Herbert uh, Walker Bush, and the woman who accused him of groping her, if you recall. And then she, he apologized. I think a lot of people actually kind of jumped on her. I don't recall her name. And I had worked for many years, actually, in a nursing home. And I said, you know, one of the things that people need to realize that as, as, as elderly people get dementia, they begin to act very inappropriately. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my mom included, right? Stuff that she would never have done as a 50-year-old person. When I worked in this nursing home, their women would undress. They just, they just started to, their, their minds started to go. It was absolutely, and, and as I was writing that sort of thing, not, not defending the former president and not saying anything about this woman. I mean, clearly they apologized. So what she claimed was true and she obviously found it very inappropriate. And, and, but also know that often as people have these, um, as dementia, 
it really does. My mom does so many things that are inappropriate that she would never have done 20 years ago in a gajillion years, right? And I have to look at people and say, I'm really sorry. We know, as you know, she's struggling with dementia. Um, It doesn't make it right or wrong. It just, it it just is, this is, this is what it is. And, And sometimes they're offended by some of the stuff that she says, you know, but this is kind of who she is now. So I think I like to use those opportunities just to provide some context for people, you know? Um, And I think teachers can go on social media and provide context. Yeah. You know, let me explain to you a lot. You know, a lot of people think that teachers have, you know, summers off and it's all, you know, like I think hearing more from teachers about like, this is what my day is like. These are what my students are dealing with. Here's some facts because I'm an expert in this. I'm an on the ground frontline person. I think that's fascinating. Listen, if you're a teacher and you're going to hop on and do things that are, you're going to be embarrassed to see your teacher, your, your students or your parents read, then obviously, I mean, that's just completely inappropriate. Well, I think that it, it is, it's somewhat common sense. Like, as I've seen so many teachers share great practice that they become, you know, sometimes there's negative uh, connotation to be like an edu celebrity, right? But like, when you're showing what can be done, it's beautiful. And on the other hand, just like the lady that flipped off the president, you can say anything you want on Twitter, but there are consequences. I've seen some people that complain about how much they hate their class. Like, oh, I'm getting out of here because these spoiled brats are blah, 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 or my job sucks. And then, the, then you know, they're on the news <laughs> and, and they're terminated. And, and so I'm always like, um, I, I like it in the, in the best sense. And then the complaining says, well, heck, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I watch what I say because my mom and my dad listen to all my podcasts. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Sue. Um, and they read my tweets. And when right, I first... and, and also, like, who, what kind of person do you want to be? Right. You know, oh, do yeah. you want to yeah. be that person? Or do you, you know, what? Yeah. Right. I, I think that, again, it's people getting very confused about what the First Amendment protects. It's like your boss has a right to fire you. And especially places that have a very clear social media policy, they can really fire you. Because they have laid out what's appropriate and what's not. I mean, I'm always amazed you know, someone bashes their employer and you're like, yeah, don't be surprised. So, so we are, we are in agreement at the same time. I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity yeah. in, in talking to people about, um, oh, about their jobs and, and giving details. I love that. Well, and, and my gosh, there's no been no better time than now um, to have teachers reach out to, you know, Peabody winning journalists and stuff oh, like that. Well, I, mean, I love teachers. You know, my mom was a teacher for a long yeah. time in my, she was a teacher in my high school. And then she, um, I think she found teaching very frustrating in my high school. Uh, and so she ended up um, going into the city and, and was a teacher at A. Philip Randolph School in New York City and loved it. And really, I mean, she had such a reputation. She was a very tough, aggressive, demanding teacher. Every so often I run into someone and they're like, your mom was my Spanish teacher. And I'm like, oh, did you like her or did you not like her? <laughs> um, but I, I'm, you know, I, I, I love teachers. I, again, I think that when you don't hear from them, there's these myths that come out about teachers. And I think it's wonderful. Um, to- yeah. And we can almost use that um, reverence slash guilt. And, and like I said, social media, you can reach out to people and 
you know, my, my students uh, have access at times to really interesting people because of social media. So I love it. And then the dark side is sometimes I'm afraid if I push it too hard, I think that a lot of depression stems from too much social media use, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's another show, right? Um, yeah. I mean, literally, at times I feel guilty because I, I really encourage social media use in my class. It has been the equalizer. My students have, I'm at times jealous of who they get to reach out to. Um, matter of fact, this whole podcast idea started because we were talking to so many interesting people from the classroom. But as soon as I encourage more kids to be on social media, I have seen just anxiety and depression skyrocket. But you know, and also opportunity. I can't tell you the number. I've had a couple people reach out to me and they say, can I come work for you? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Name the two weeks you want to come work for me. <laughs> you know, I, I just, yeah. I like that unfiltered thing. But yeah, I mean, again, it's, you have to grow up and you have to say, you know, this is how I respond to social media and this is how I respond to refined sugar and this is how I respond to Diet Coke at, after 10 p.m. And, you know, like you have to grow up and really figure out what, what you need. Well, Soledad, I sincerely, I appreciate your, um, very candid uh, opinions. They're wonderful. They're breath of fresh air. You've uh, you've challenged me to to also think about a lot of different things. And and my gosh, I think it's the one thing that I'm taking away is that I love a conversation. Um, in in our world of sound bites and limited quotes, um, it's refreshing to have conversations and challenging each other to think. And for that, I sincerely appreciate both it's this conversation. My pleasure. Yeah, your body of work. I, I sincerely, I, I thank you. I may I add one me. thing? Oh, oh and I so appreciate that. Thank you. You know, the one thing that I, I, when my son, my youngest son, is deaf, and I remember chatting with his teachers about you know accommodations for him, and sometimes there was a sense of like, like what do we need to do? And I remember thinking, you know, but by helping this kid, the stuff you're going to do is actually going to help everybody, right? Like it doesn't always have to be, you know some huge burden for you. For example, because he's deaf, you can't just shout out the homework as he runs out the door, right? You, it, but it'll help every student if you have it written down on the board. If yeah. he's in, when he was younger and they had circle time, you know, which kind of ends around fifth grade. And I'd say, you know, he's very nervous that he doesn't fully hear what you say. So why not just tell him ahead of time what you're going to ask him? I'm going to ask you to talk about the plot of the book. Right. So now when he hears you say it the second time and he reads lips, he knows what you said. He knows what he's expecting. Right. And 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 like, so why not do that for every kid who's anxious about speaking out loud? It's not hard. You don't have to be deaf. You can speak kid who's worried that you're not going to hear it right. You know, and sometimes I would just say to him, it's so easy and not just for my kid, for every kid, any single thing that's a video. Why not just send it to them the night before? Put it on a Dropbox. Hey, anybody who wants to see the videos we're going to run in class tomorrow, here they are. And just stick the, you know, what we call TV chirons, you know, the, the subtitles on. Right? Yeah, so, so that he, I mean, and it, it, but it, the, the conversation sometimes started off as if it was like so much work to do to accommodate this kid. And I think it ended up being like, this actually would be good for everybody. Yeah, the accommodations enhanced everything. That's awesome. Yeah, for everybody. Sister, you know? yeah, and my kids, yeah. it's so funny to watch little kids because my kids, when they watch movies, they watch them with subtitles, English subtitles, because Jackson has a hard time watching a movie and hearing everything. Yeah. You know, and it just was so easy. Nobody complained. It was not, it was not hard. Were they bending over backwards to do something for him? Sure. 
did it make it easy for him to participate? Sure. Was it a big deal? No. It just wasn't a thing. You know, so maybe it's just about a little bit of kindness and generosity and forgiveness and empathy, which I think teachers, you know, should and usually do have in spades. You know, they're just... Yeah. Well, and they're at that critical job I, of, of making people into human beings. I think that's the other thing that, man, you hit on something. My, one, my sister is a deaf education teacher. And mm. we've seen that again and again where the class, and I'm sure Kathy would back this up, the class that is blessed to have um, some kids with various amounts of disabilities, it makes everybody better. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. I love that. Anyway, that was my final thought. Thank you so no, much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, Soledad, again, thank you so much for being on. Fantastic. Fantastic. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Soledad. Take care. Bye.